Well, welcome to the Squadcast. It's uh, another great day here in Paradise. And today you have me, Michael, and Sarah. Hey. And we are going to be unpacking a little bit more from the message yesterday on James 5. And uh, we, we hope that this will bless you. We hope that this will help you in your squads and small groups and just in relationships with one another as we work out this thing called discipleship as we work out this uh, thing called relationships and uh, loving one another, caring for one another, carrying one another's burdens and being a community of people who love Jesus and love each other. Well, Sarah, uh, yesterday you messaged me and uh, said that you disagreed, (laughs) Um, or that you had some pushback on some thoughts from yesterday, which I think is really great, and uh, welcome that, because uh, sometimes when you're preaching, you you can um, sometimes only bring one angle, and there's another Mm -hmm. angle to it, or only bring one side of a thought, and it's really important that we... Uh, have this opportunity to say, hey, what about this, yeah. and push back, and um, I think that's helpful. So I'll hand over to you, and you can, um, hopefully what you have to share is maybe some thoughts that other people had. Great. Um, yeah, so <clears throat> yesterday when, Michael, you were sharing about um, personal responsibility, so when we're sick, when we need help, when we're not doing okay, that we need to take personal responsibility and say help. Yeah. Um, will you pray for me? Can you help me? Um, and I was thinking about this, and I think I was thinking about it because I was triggered, um, uh, right. <laughs> which I'm sure maybe there were others too. So I feel that we need to acknowledge why people find it hard right. to say help. Um, and I was doing some reading yesterday afternoon when I was processing it all, and uh, I read these great questions, and I think these are really helpful for us, that um, if you find it hard to say help, if you find it hard to speak up for yourself, um, and because Michael used the illustration yesterday, was it the, the hiding and hoping someone will notice that you're not okay? Yeah. And I know I've been guilty of that. Right. Um, and if you have been guilty of that, there's some questions. So maybe, you know, while you were growing up, what kind of messages did you get about asking for help? Did your family place more value on doing it yourself or letting others in? Um, and when did you attempt to reach out in childhood and how did the people in your life respond? Um, and that might be your family, that might have been at school, it might have even been in the church, that, you know, right. these events happen, and they're probably in some cases, you know, uh, lowercase t traumas, um, but that all kind of sets this thing in place for us as adults to not say help. Right, right, yeah. And so they are the stories that have formed us. Yes. And the the journey of faith following Jesus is moving from being formed out of our old story right. into the story of Jesus. Yeah. And that's the tension, isn't it? That's right. And it's not yeah. an excuse. This is not an excuse saying, this happened to me, that's why I don't ask for help. It's going, this happened to me. This makes it maybe a little bit tougher, but how do we move with intentionality yeah. from this space of hurt to being able to speak up yeah, and advocate great. for ourselves when we need it? Yeah, yeah. Great. I, well, I think one of the first 
steps towards change and transformation is owning where we are at. And so being able to identify, actually, I am not good at asking for help. And let's be honest, there's not many people that are. That's right. (laughs) Um, I'm in that camp too, you know, um, preaching to myself. Uh, Especially being pastor. You know, like I'm meant to have it all together and all that. But, you know, the reality is that we are all human. Mm -hmm. Um, I am no better than anyone else. That's right. Um, I was just the sucker that said yes to God about leading a church, you know. That's right. So for anyone listening, if you've got Michael on a pedestal, take him down. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, totally. And, you know, just being honest, that is a hard thing because, you know, sometimes, especially when I was younger as a youth pastor, there was stuff that I was going through. I'm like, if I told anyone this, I could lose my job. Right. You know, um, but that stuff that I was going through didn't make me less of a believer it made me a real believer you know Mm -hmm. what I mean like Mm -hmm. I'm going through the struggle here and I'm pressing into Jesus but who can I ask for help that's right because if I ask for help what if they tell on me or you know that's it what are the consequences of yeah yeah Yeah. and so all of that stuff goes on I mean for me now thankfully I do have some people that I can Mm -hmm. be honest with uh and getting professional help as well. That's right. Um, you know, someone who has confidentiality and all that That's sort right. of stuff um, is helpful just to say, hey, this is something I'm struggling with at the moment, or this is where I'm at. Mm. Um, so so that's that's good. And so I guess there's this going from unintentional formation. This is the step, isn't it? Yeah, it, it is. Okay, I have been unintentionally formed by my story so far, and I have discovered that I... Uh, I'm not keen on vulnerability. Mm. I'm not keen on asking for help. Authenticity sounds like a horrible word to me. Um, But Jesus is inviting me into a new story. That's right. He wants me to be formed by his story. And we are formed mostly in the community of Jesus' followers. This is where it really happens. This is discipleship, which is why we cannot do this alone. That's right. But how do we be a community where this is normal Mm-hmm. and it's okay yeah yeah and so I think um, there's a few things that we think so this week someone shared with me that they had shared with their community uh, that they needed help right. and the community had good intentions but there was no follow through Right. and I think that's huge for us as a community we say to people you belong we care about you we're going to walk this with you and we get busy in our own lives and forget to actually check in and I'm so guilty of that of having the good intentions Mm. and not cooking a meal or um, not following up with a message. Yeah, so, yeah, and, and I think, I mean, James kind of hit on that a little bit, didn't he, with the let your yes be yes and yes. your no be no. And the reality is we, we we do have good intentions. I mean, I doubt there would be anyone that, if you said, hey, do you want to be more loving and caring, would say, <laughs> no, I really don't want to be that. That's I think right. we all do want to be, but life... And the busyness of life, yeah. and and I think actually something that we need to own as a community is the perceived busyness of life. Yeah, because I say I'm busy, but then I have plenty of time for stuff. That's right. That yeah, you know, is not actually adding any value mm-hmm. to my life. No. Uh, so so there is a you know there is a perception of busyness there that I think is lying to us. Yeah. And actually doing more harm than good. 
But how do we be a community that embody this, I think is the key question. Mm. And I don't know that I have an answer because I'm wrestling with it myself. Yeah. Do you think it starts with us all owning that actually we all feel like this? I think a little bit, and I think as well, um, the more we practice that vulnerability and the more we say help, the more opportunities it gives others to respond to our needs. I know in a heartbeat I will respond to anyone's, you know, someone needs me to listen, sure, I will sit and I'll listen with you, mm. no issues. But I don't give that opportunity to others to do that for me. Yeah. Um, and so we're probably a bit weighted a bit wrong as a community if we're um, not participating both ways. Yeah, yeah. And the, uh, something you said before I thought was interesting that um, the hiding and hoping someone mm-hmm. will, will notice. Well, you said that yesterday. Oh, I said you. that. Well, yeah, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But I think that uh, we can be deceived into thinking that's asking for help. Mm. You know, because inside we're crying out for help. That's right, and getting so frustrated that no one's paused to check in. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but what would it look like to actually genuinely ask for help and mm. actually vocalising, I am struggling with this and I need help in this way? Uh, I think that would be... That would shift it, I think, yeah. if we could embrace that kind of level of, of vulnerability. Because that, that is vulnerability. It's not just, you know, the, the prodigal son, you know, he, he runs from his family. And I had this thought that actually most people don't run because they want to hide. They actually run because they want to be found. Mm, you know, yeah. and, and all of us, at the end of the day, we, we want to be noticed. We yep. want to know that people care. That's it. And... Uh, and we hide in the hope that people will notice. Yes. But that's not actually... I, I don't feel like that is what James is talking about. Like, I feel like he is pushing back on that a little yep. bit and saying, actually, if you are unwell, you call yep. the elders and call them to come and pray. Um, and so there is that level of, of personal responsibility. But um, but again, it comes back to the what story has formed us. That's it. And, and even the culture of church, for those of us that have grown up in church, this hasn't been the culture. No. It has really been, you know, how do we, how do we reframe all of this mm. so that we actually look at faith differently? Yeah. Because I grew up thinking that faith was having it all together, and even when you don't have it all together, like just going, well, I, you know. It's going to make it look, look yeah, like you do. Yeah, yeah, that's faith, you know. Raise those hands on Sunday. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You know, I'm going through. I'm going through an awful time. But if I just show up and and mm. keep face and lift my hands and make it look like I've got it all together, then yeah. that's faith, and that's not faith. That's as I said on Sunday. It's the opposite to faith. That's right. Faith is saying actually I'm not good, and I need help. Yeah. And in this community of people that Jesus has placed me in, uh, help is available. That's right. And so faith is going. I trust Sarah mm. with my. Yeah. story or I trust whoever. Brene Brown has a, a good quote though along those lines around um, so, so James talks about confessing our sin one to, one to another um, so that we may be healed and that's really good. I think maybe as well we need to reframe sin a little mm-hmm. bit um, because what, what if we reframed sin as our shame story 
Yeah. So we think about it in that way. Um, because often what we're good at is sharing, oh, let's be honest, we're not good at it. <laughs> well, I'm not, anyway. So when we talk about sin, we often think about behavior stuff. Yes. Um, but we know that behavior is always the echo of mm-hmm. belief. Mm-hmm. And so we live out and act out of our story. Yeah. So whatever has formed us as a person, we, we live out of that. Um, what if we dove a little bit deeper mm. or allowed someone to ask the right questions so that we might say, hey, I'm struggling with um, whatever, uh, you know, uh, an addiction of some sort. Um, That's actually the evidence of a deeper story. That's right. And so how do we get below that? Anyway, so Brene Brown, she said this, uh, if we share our shame story with the wrong person, they can easily become one more piece of flying debris in an already dangerous storm. Yeah. And so there's this sense there that actually um, we we need to find trusted people. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that is hardest for us is if we have been let down continually, how do we then learn to trust? And, And I think... Uh, yeah, it, what comes first, the chicken or the egg? Uh, do we learn to trust or do we work on our identity? Mm. What if they were both going yeah. in parallel? Yeah. Um, because learning to trust, we can either say people have let me down and so I need to protect myself mm-hmm. and so I'm not going to trust anyone. The, the problem the problem for me is is that also pulls us back from trusting God yeah because it's almost like we've only got one trust muscle mm. do you know what I mean yeah and so we either work that muscle of trust and so to say I, I trust God but don't trust people I really struggle with that as an idea mm. because it's it's just not the way we've been designed yeah we've been designed and made for community. Mm-hmm. And so, um, sure, there might be seasons where we where we find trust in God is safe, yeah. but eventually God wants us to show up in community. That's right. Well, there's healing in community. He often uses people to heal us. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I would almost say always. Yeah, I'd be pretty close to that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, someone said to me the other week about about sin um he said he asked this question have i really dealt with a sin if i've only dealt with it with god oh that's a good question so what he was saying is is if i you know i've i've been behaving in a certain way or doing something that i know is destructive Mm -hmm. to my own life and i've gone to god asked for forgiveness but are still unwilling to share that with a brother Mm. Either shame is still yes. got me yeah. around that situation, or pride—two sides of the same coin—or mm-hmm. um, it still has power over me. Absolutely, yes. So, and I and he he said to me, "Am I off with this idea?" And I'm like, "No, I think you're, I think you're right." And I think that's what James is getting at—that yeah. that we. It's almost like we have a secret relationship with God. We know that he sees everything. So we, But I don't know about you, but I've discovered in life that the things that I'm continually 
struggling with that I'm just going to God with yeah. never actually get worked out until I yes. work them out with people. Yeah, and I, I remember um, at, when I was 17, I had a friend who did YWAM, and right. I remember at the end of the year, they had to do like <clears throat> a confession day or something, where right. they all had to get up and share like their deepest, darkest sin. Yeah. And I remember the time listening to her telling her, and I was telling you know how they'd done this, I was thinking, that sounds like the worst thing in the world, but at the time, knowing where I was at, going, but that would be the best thing too, to be mm. forced into a situation where I had to confess, because you know that the, the shame... Yeah, to right. be able to, I guess, bring into the light the shame mm. around the sins that I had at the time and yeah. um, the freedom yeah. and having a community. Like she would tell about how they just loved each other yeah. and that bit of... Man, how powerful but, was that? And I feel like we probably all want that, yes. that freedom and that love, Yeah, but we don't want to do confession with no, one another. No, Yeah, and I guess that, you know, what will people think of me? Will they judge me? That's it. You know, all of that. Will they heap more shame on me? Yeah. And, man, I just just think that the power of the church Mm. is in us breaking free of this. Absolutely. And actually going, yeah, we could actually be open and vulnerable and there'd be no judging. Yes. No shame, but in fact freedom. Yeah. That would be powerful. And you talked yeah. before about reframing, and I think that for each of us individually, every time we do take have a vulnerable, when we are vulnerable, when we step out, whether it's confessing or asking for help, we've got to keep note of that. Like it's almost like you need to create a little landmark. Yeah. Here's where I was vulnerable. Yeah. Here's the reaction that I had. These are the people that came out to love me or protect me or. Yeah. And so that way, the next time you can go. Actually, we were okay then. Yeah. I can do this again. Yeah. Yeah. That's and, great. And sort of building a, a new story. I did something once with uh, when I was a youth pastor with our leadership team. I would often, over a series, probably, I think probably a year, often at our leaders' meetings, I would, I would say, all right, everyone, I want you to tell, would go around and everyone would say something good. Mm-hmm. This is what I like about you, Sarah. Yep. And, and everyone in the room would say what they like about you. Cool. Then we'd move on to the next person, yep. the next person. We used to call it warm fuzzies. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that was really nice, really nice. And then, then uh, we did that quite a few times. And then one time I flipped it I said okay we're going to go around the room and we're going to say what frustrates wow uh about what what frustrates I us trust. about you yes. uh and every you know that was like what the you know everyone's like what the heck but man that was the most powerful mm. time where actually people were able to be honest with one another yeah and um yeah and and actually people were going oh I didn't realise I'd do that. We don't know what we don't know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I didn't realise it was actually frustrating everyone that I do that. And so I'm, you know, so there was like repentance in the midst of that and I'm I'm sorry and and a whole lot more self-awareness and it was like the best thing for our team. Yeah. Uh, But we didn't do it the first week. No, that's right. You've built trust before you get to that point. Yeah, there was a high level of trust Mm. in that group for us to be able to do that. And so that's what squads are. Yes. People that we are journeying with, building high levels of trust. Yeah. So that when it comes to sharing our shame story, they're not people that are going to abuse it. That's right. Misuse it, heap shame on, judge, exactly. but people that are able to pray with yeah. and support. 
And I think one of the things as well, when someone shares their shame story, uh, we can easily go into I need to fix mm-hmm. mode and we start giving out, you know, you know, little spiritual prescriptions. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just take this pill and you'll be okay. Have a little bit more faith. Or, more faith, yeah. yes. But I think in these moments it's, um, you know, James said the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective and mm-hmm. I think James is just really pointing to the fact, hey, when this happens, when there's confession and vulnerability, just pray. Yeah. You, you don't need to fix them. No. Just pray. That's it. Yeah. Bring the power of God mm. because, re- you know, because this confession is repentance. That's right. Uh, and so and so repentance releases the power of grace. Yeah. Grace yeah. is not the power to overlook and the, the power to overcome. That's it. You know, it's not unmerited favor. It is the divine empowerment of God mm-hmm. moving in someone's life. Yeah. And so we release grace onto one another through confession yeah. and prayer. Yeah. And what power is there in that? Yeah, Such power. that's right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I was going to share, I don't know, Dallas Willard or Richard Foster? We have so many good quotes. Oh, I read them both. They're great. All right. So uh, Dallas Willard, uh, in uh, The Spirit of Discipline, he says, Confession is a discipline that functions within fellowship. In it, we let trusted others know our deepest weaknesses and failures. This will nourish our faith in God's provision for our needs through his people, a sense of being loved and a humility before our brothers and sisters. Thus we let some friends in Christ know who we really are, not holding back anything important, but ideally allowing complete transparency. We lay down the burden of hiding and pretending, which normally takes such a dreadful amount of human energy. We engage and are engaged by others in the most profound depths of the soul. And then Richard Foster in the uh, celebration of discipline says, without the cross, the discipline of confession would be only psychologically therapeutic, but it is so much more. It involves an objective change in our relationship with God and a subjective change in us. It is a means, sorry, it is a means of healing and transforming the inner spirit. And he goes on to say later in the chapter, confession is a difficult discipline for us because we all too often view the believing community as a fellowship of saints before we see it as a fellowship of sinners. We feel that everyone else has advanced so far into holiness that we are isolated and alone in our sin. We cannot bear to reveal our failures and shortcomings to others. We imagine that we are the only ones who have not stepped onto the high road to heaven. Therefore, we hide ourselves from one another and live in, va- live in vowed lies and hypocrisy. Yeah. That's, That's true. Great. I, yeah, I love that thought there that we see everyone else as saints. Yeah rather than sinners Mm -hmm. and there's this tension there I guess in the sense that and I think we talked about this the other week you know how do we you know self-worth or Mm -hmm. uh, that sense of worthiness is important yeah then the tension of also realizing that we are sinners that's right that's right (laughs) Uh, and so is everyone else but they are also saints. <laughs> so how, how could we approach this in a way that we see everyone as saints and myself mm-hmm. and see everyone as sinners yeah. and myself? Do we go back to the start and just see everyone as made in the image of God? 
Like, is it a case of you're made in God, I'm made in God? Yeah. We're both we're both saints and sinners in that moment, but yeah, yeah, yeah. But what I don't want to do is for everyone to walk around feeling like they are um, hopeless, because mm. we are not hopeless. That's in fact, right. we are the people that are filled with hope. Yeah, hope. You know, and I'm I'm going to preach on that this Sunday actually. That that we are dealers in hope. Great. So for us to be dealers in hope, we have to see that hope in our own lives. Yeah. Uh, and this is, you know, it's, it's, it's like how the kingdom mm. operates. And, and, uh, but then not seeing ourselves as better than anyone That's else. It. You yeah. know, like there's this, this tension here that we have to learn to carry really, really well. Because if we see, uh, if we have a high opinion of ourselves mm, and then mm. look down on others, then we're in big trouble. Yeah. But if we have a high opinion of others and look down on, on ourselves, we're also in big trouble. So how do we see each other as equal? Mm. I think even Paul wrestled with that though, right? I'm the chief of sinners. Yeah. And then he goes, imitate me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's so true, yeah. isn't it? That's so true that he did say that, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So, so there's the tension, though. Mm. So, how do we? Uh, I don't know how we how we manage that well uh, moving forward. But that's the yeah. goal, I think. Yeah, I think this so. This is what we're pressing into. Yeah. I, f- I feel as as a church community. Yeah. Um, and I think again, squads. This is where it gets worked out because as we sit down with one another and are building trust mm-hmm. and sharing, we are realizing, oh, actually, John is just as Yes, you know, messed up as me. <laughs> and I think with but squads, as we pray, we're being built into yes. the image of Christ. So yeah. yeah. But I think with squads, because you're sort of choosing your squad as well. Yeah. Um, you're probably not going to be massively unequally yoked potentially mm. in it as well. There yeah. will be people that kind of a bit like you. Yeah. Um, so that hopefully levels the playing ground a little bit. Yeah. When it comes to having grace for one another and. Yeah. Um, because I think sometimes there's some danger when we put someone who's brand new in the faith with someone who's been in the faith for a long time. Because yeah. if we're getting out of skew, you know, skewy with the uh, saints and sinner thing, yeah, yeah, there could be some harm done in that. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. A. W. Tozer once said that the a Pharisee is hard on others but soft on themselves, mm. but a truly spiritual person is soft on others but hard on themselves. Yeah. It's true, but then not not seen oneself as worthless yes you know and i you know we and i think in the world we have this idea of self-worth mm-hmm. uh i struggle with that idea yeah. of self-worth because it's still worth in self mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, as believers we don't have self-worth we have worth in christ that's right and so you know it's yeah we, we need to maybe shift that idea as well These are some, some great questions and things to wrestle with, eh? And I, I love that we don't, we don't have any answers today, just questions. Yeah, no Jesus stuff. prescriptions at no, the end. No, no. Take two. No. Call your doctor in the morning. Yeah. Yeah, uh, one last quote maybe before we finish from Brene Brown uh, with regards to vulnerability. She said, vulnerability is not about winning or losing. It's having the courage to show up even when you can't control the outcome. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, and, and I think, you know, if, we, if we're in a culture or environment of competition and comparison, then vulnerability could be the, uh, 
the key to us winning or losing. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. if I show up with who I really am, I might lose my position, That's I might right. lose my status or role or whatever. And I think that has got to be um, booted out of the church. Absolutely. Is that is not a kingdom culture. No. But if, so if we can deal with the ideas of competition and comparison, which you know James in, in earlier passages is, yeah. is addressing Absolutely. envy and selfish. So if we follow the path of, of the whole... Uh, five chapters with James. He's he's dealing with the motives earlier on, yeah. saying, L- "Listen, envy and selfish ambition; these are not from God. No. They are they are causing all sorts of quarrels and fights and all sorts of things." And then he transitions into these ideas of, "What if it, what if we actually had mutual confession yeah, and saw each other as equals, not uh, not people who are keepers of the way, but just journeyers yeah. on the way together." And James had been around long enough. He he was leading the early church, so yeah, you know, he was seeing the stuff in action. Yeah. So he's going, yeah. What if we have this? Yeah. 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 Totally. And two thousand years on, we're still going. What if we have yeah, this? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Well, let's lay down that challenge for everyone that that's listening. What what if what if courage in the church looked like vulnerability? rather than feeling like we have to keep face and have it all together, what if we embraced mutual confession, seeing each other as just juniors on the way, someone to love, someone to encourage, someone that uh, needs needs help, uh, and also seeing ourselves the same way, mm. someone that needs help. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for the opportunity just to wrestle with these things. And Father, I thank you that at these times we don't necessarily need answers, we just need direction. We just need to know which way to go. And as we journey with you in your ways, that we discover the answers. And we thank you that your answers aren't always necessarily intellectual answers but they are uh, the sense of peace that we have from journeying with you and all of who you are we thank you Holy Spirit that you are with us you are in us you dwell within us and we thank you that you empower us to live authentic lives following Jesus so we just pray over our our church family pray that we would be a church of great courage, a church of of great vulnerability, a church that is not trying to keep face or uh, pretend like we have it all together, but that we would be people who are honest, that are saying help when we need it and are offering help to those around us when they need it. We thank you for what you're doing in in our church community. And we thank you for the privilege that we have of being a part of a a community of faith. And we just pray a blessing on everyone that's listening today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.